Welcome to Biofilm First. Today, we'll speak with Al Cunningham, who is a founding father of the Center for Biofilm Engineering, and we'll speak with him about the early days of the CBE, which was established in 1990 as part of the National Science Foundation's Engineering Research Center program. The goal of the CBE, both then and now, was to address costly problems and unique opportunities associated with biofilms in a way that advances science and engineering and supports United States industrial competitiveness. In addition to the origin of the CBE, we'll speak with Al about founding director Bill Shiraklis and perhaps most importantly, why the CBE continues to be successful after more than 32 years as the world's first, largest, and best-known biofilm research center. So Al, can you give us a brief summary of the circumstances that led to the establishment of the CBE? Uh, sure, uh, Skip, I can do that. Uh, first of all, thank you for, uh, for having me today and inviting me to give a little history about the CBE. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Welcome to all of those listening, and uh, yeah, I'll start. Uh, I'll start at the beginning, um, very briefly. In about 1984, uh, the National Science Foundation started a major new program. At that time, uh, this was called the Engineering Research Centers Program, and NSF had a very specific motivation for doing this, and that motivation was centered around. Uh, NSF trying to do things that ultimately uh, helped U.S. industry become more competitive. So the fundamental motivation for the ERC program was to set up centers of excellence at universities uh, that would uh, address topics that uh, everyone, industry and NSF, believed would ultimately uh, uh, provide a benefit, a boost to U.S. industrial competitiveness. Uh, so that was, again, the motivation. Uh, for example, uh, some of these topics back then, early on, were things like biotechnology. Uh, that was a big program established at MIT, one of the very first uh, ERCs established. Uh, others were things like, uh, oh, advanced uh, structural engineering. Uh, offshore oil and gas was a big deal, uh, and that received a center at one point. Um, so you can kind of get the idea of what the program was uh, was about and what the intention was. Um, moving on beyond that, uh, let me just say that uh, uh, these, uh, the, these this program was highly competitive, and NSF was very selective about the awards that were given, and many universities competed, and uh, uh, our Proposal came along in the late 1980s uh, after several others had been established, but uh, basically those were the circumstances. Well, obviously the uh, proposal that you put forth, uh, Bill, you and Bill Shiraklis, the director-founder, uh, the founding director, <laughs> uh, put forth centered around biofilm, uh, which became a topic of interest to the NSF ERC program. But interestingly, it really wasn't in the mainstream of microbiology. It was relatively small uh, field of study, right? That is absolutely correct. I mean, the uh, the concept of establishing an ERC around something 
like microbial biofilms, was very novel and very, uh, well, uh, just not obvious as a, uh, a high-profile activity for NSF. So let me, let me go back. Why, why did biofilms become a topic of interest? Well, uh, during the 1980s, our founding director, Bill Shiraklis, uh, Bill was a chemical engineer. He came to MSU from Houston. Uh, and there in the 80s, he developed this novel research program to study microbial biofilms. But he did it, uh, interestingly enough, in direct collaboration with industry. Uh, he had, oh, about a dozen industrial uh, associates that uh, uh, belonged to his program. Uh, mainly these were from the oil and gas industry, uh, the, the major oil companies, for example, Conoco, BP, those kind of people. Uh, some chemical uh, supply people and energy production. Uh, we had Southern Company Services, which at the time was the largest uh, uh, power production producing uh, utility in the country. And the, the, the thing that brought them all together was they all shared this common interest in biofilms. Every one of them had huge, huge economic issues associated mainly with controlling biofilm growth in their uh, operating systems. So that brought them together, and uh, the shiraklis led group of industrial associates was, uh, uh, became thriving uh, in, the, in the 80s. Uh, up until uh, the time we submitted the proposal to the ERC program, which, of course, because this program uh, existed, the NSF was made aware that biofilm uh, issues, biofilms, I should say, were an issue across a very broad spectrum of society and U.S. industry. And so, in short, these industries, uh, industrial folks that we uh, were partnering with, they lobbied NSF intensely. They went to the ERC program and they spoke on our behalf. And the end result was the CBE was successfully funded in 1990, and of course, Bill was the director. Well, talking a little bit about the Industrial Associates program, in, in today's world at the CBE, that translates to dues-paying companies and organizations who are interested in our research and, in many cases, interested in us conducting uh, tests for them on their products or their methods. Um, did that Does that differ from what the Industrial Associates Program was 32 years ago? Absolutely not. It's the same program. Hmm. And that's one of the keys to CBE longevity. It's all explained. Uh, you are the last of the researchers who were on staff when the CBE was formed in 1990. Uh, where were you in your career when you joined Bill Shiraklis here? Well, at that time, uh, I was a professor in the civil engineering department. Uh, my areas of specialization mainly had to do with, uh, with water resources, groundwater uh, issues, things like groundwater supply, uh, remediation of contaminated groundwater, and so on. But when I started working with Bill Shiraklis and the biofilm theme and the industrial connections that he had, uh, I had, had this opportunity to participate then in a very high-level uh, bioremediation uh, research program uh, funded mainly by uh, uh, the uh, oil companies, the Conoco, the B 
PP and those type of people. Uh, and and the collaboration that went with that was was uh, wonderful and allowed me uh, a very wonderful career development opportunity that went hand in hand with the, uh, the biofilm related research that the uh, CBE is doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what intrigued you about dedicating your career to the concept of biofilms, which was hardly on anybody's radar at the time? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh, that's still interesting to me. I still marvel at it uh, because, yeah, the microbial biofilms uh, at that time in 1990 was a very new research topic. In fact, it was it was not even considered uh, the word biofilm was not even considered to be universally accepted as a uh, a topic in microbiology. Uh, in fact, we called our center when it was first funded. We called it the Center for Interfacial Microbial Process Engineer because <laughs> NSF was nervous about us using the word biofilm. So that tells you something about uh, the state of awareness and, <clears throat> and interest at that time. Uh, but of course, that has all changed and uh, for the better. And in the course of events that followed, once the center was set up, uh, uh, it enabled me but and all of the other CBE researchers, uh, uh, because of the resources and the people and the and the visibility that went with the center, we were all able to develop very successful research and education programs, <clears throat> excuse me, which, uh, you know, like I said, mine was mainly in bioremediation at the time, but other, uh, other researchers uh, studied uh, drinking water treatment, for example. Uh, biofilm control was, a, was another thrust mm-hmm. area that we had. Uh, medical and dental applications came along, and that's just naming a few, but basically the center provided a, a huge resource for uh, us researchers that were associated there with. Well, the center was really dealt a tremendous blow. Uh, just two years after establishing the CBE, uh, Bill Sheraklis died. Um, how big of a setback was that for the center? Oh, it was huge. And... Um, Bill's untimely death was a huge shock to the CBE, uh, to everyone, uh, colleagues. Uh, Bill had colleagues all around the world, and uh, I- indeed, he was a he was a world class uh, scientist and, and figure and personality. So, yeah, there was huge concern that the CBE then, which then was only in its uh, second year of mm-hmm. NSF funding, could we survive? Would we remain? Uh, funded by NSF as, a, as an ERC. And that was not uh, an easy time for any of us. However, for, very fortunately, uh, our MSU administration, by that I mean the president and the vice president for research, uh, together with a, a group of industrial associates, uh, they went to Washington and lobbied NSF, rallied around uh, the support of the CBE proceeding and uh, promised to find a new director and carry on. And with NSF's blessing, we did that. Um, a new director was hired. That was Bill Costerton. Bill uh, was a uh, medical microbiologist uh, who was a longtime CBE collaborator. Mm-hmm. And Bill uh, successfully directed the CBE 
the rest of the way through the NSF program until 2001 when our funding cycle was over. Well, is it fair to say that had that grouping not gone to Washington to talk with the NSF and make the case that this is worth, that this organization is worth saving, it it might not have made it through that. No doubt in my mind it would have been phased out. Mm. We, we had, in, in the NSF program, the UFC program, we have a, a, what's called a three-year review, uh, which means that at the end of three years, uh, NSF comes to visit and decides whether or not your center is going to continue to be funded. You've had three years to prove yourself. Well, mm-hmm. Bill died during the second year, so the third year was pretty bad. Now, uh, this uh, uh, support was was ongoing uh, even at that time, so they gave us a fourth year. They said, okay, we'll come back next year and we'll make the decision about whether or not you continue as an ERC. And by that time, everything was in place. They came, no problem. Hmm. So luck was with us. Now, Chirac was built into this uh, research center the use of uh, students, and not just from the field of microbiology. Uh, Since day one, the CBE has employed students uh, in its labs. And could you you talk a little bit about how that has proven to be an important part of the success of this center and its longevity? Absolutely, and absolutely it has. Uh, The CBE education program, uh, as uh, envisioned by Bill Chiraklis and uh, as part of our charter as a center, uh, was intended to, in my words, these are my words, it was intended to be value added to the uh, uh, traditional uh, MSU education experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, by that I mean uh, uh, students pursue their degrees uh, from their home departments, uh, microbiology, engineering, chemistry, so on. But they work in CBE on research projects. And CBE offers many graduate and undergraduate students uh, the chance to participate in cross-disciplinary research projects uh, through the center. Uh, Industrial, these are many times industrially sponsored and relevant. Mm -hmm. And this experience adds value to their degree. So... We note that CBE does not offer degrees ourselves, but rather we uh, support the uh, uh, established degree degree programs in related colleges and departments. Uh, to date, last time I looked, um, over 900 undergraduates and 300 graduate students have participated in CBE research programs over the life of the center. Now, you are a distinguished professor and an emeritus professor, uh, and you show no signs of winding down your research. For example, you recently returned from Stuttgart, Germany. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that project? Uh, Oh, sure, yes, uh, happy to do that. Uh, I've uh, enjoyed a wonderful career here at MSU, and particularly with the benefits resulting from participation in the the center. And one of those benefits is uh, the... uh, relationships I've developed with colleagues around the U.S. and abroad, and probably the most significant, definitely the most significant of those uh, relationships as it is at the University of Stuttgart. Um, just a 
a quick snapshot of what what that means. Uh, we have worked for, with them for 30 years, so essentially through the life of the center. Mm-hmm. And it's always been on a topic of mutual interest. Uh, like, for example, right now, uh, our group is looking at uh, developing biofilm-related processes, which uh, can be used to, to seal, to plug up uh, unwanted leakage pathways in the subsurface uh, through which me- uh, greenhouse gases can escape to the atmosphere, methane, CO2, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So we have this biocement uh, concept which we have developed that can be used to go down and actually plug these uh, uh, leakage pathways. Stuttgart is a... Uh, uh, our colleagues there are simulation modelers. We are experimentalists. So, in short, we do experiments. <laughs> we give them the data. They develop models. Back and forth it goes until uh, they have a uh, comprehensive simulation model of the phenomena that we're addressing. So, <clears throat> that's a very wonderful, beneficial, and fun thing to do. And again, well, that's because of the one of the many benefits I've derived from long-time <clears throat> association with CBE. Well, and that's another that's a a good example of research being conducted here with practical application in the real world that benefits really everybody. Uh, it, it's a cost containment for industry. It's uh, there's environmental implications that benefit everybody by sealing off those leaks that lead to uh, greenhouse gases. Um, and that really, to me, seems like a, a hallmark of the Center for Biofilm Engineering. Uh, has that been your impression as well? Absolutely. And again, this is, uh, <coughs> excuse me, one of the um, one of the things I really wanted to say, which is, is uh, why is CBE, why, why have we been so successful for 32 years? Mm-hmm. Uh, other centers have uh, been established, they tend to evolve into something else or get absorbed into other programs. Our center has not done that. We have persisted, and and uh, there are reasons for that. Uh, again, just pretty much restating what I've already said. Uh, the first of those region, reasons is that CBE uh, research and development is built around uh, industrial partnership and collaboration. And when the needs of industry are being met. Uh, everybody's uh, everybody's happy. If those needs change, we need to be sensitive, and we I think have been over the years, and we need to adjust what we do to stay relevant. So staying relevant is with industrial application is probably the first major reason why we uh, have been able to persist uh, as long as we have. Uh, other than that, I'll just restate our education program has been vital to this effort. Uh, our strong partnership with the MSU administration, absolutely indispensable. We couldn't uh, be uh, uh, an ongoing organization without their support. Um, beyond that, I think it's very important to say that the uh, CBE over the years has developed some very, very uh, good laboratory capabilities, uh, particularly uh, microscopes, imaging facilities that are state-of-the-art, 
And with these, uh, our researchers today can attract a broad spectrum of federally funded grants that uh, are possible because of our laboratory infrastructure. So those things, um, together with the ability to uh, seek out and develop uh, new biofilm research opportunities, uh, in other words, remaining relevant, th that, in my opinion, uh, are the reasons why CBE continues to be successful moving forward. And I might add, there is, in my mind, no end in sight. <laughs> yeah, you know, and a lot of that success is built on really the model that Sheraklis put together 32 years ago, and the CBE has really followed that line all the way through. It is. It, it, it's true. And, you know, the, um, the, the concept that a uh, uh, inquiry into microbial biofilms that that particular topic uh, would not at first glance seem to have staying power. Mm -hmm. And yet it does, because those problems just don't go away. Well, that's part of what we're working on here is trying, and, trying to get some means, of those to go away. That means we, <laughs> I don't know if you want to call it job security, but it's something like that. It, 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 and to be fair, uh, some of the problems have gone away and been minimized, and we've contributed to that. But... Uh, the needs of U.S. industry keep changing. New industries or new companies, new sectors of the business world are discovering that they have a biofilm problem when they didn't, maybe didn't used to know. And when they do, they're the new ones that come join our program. Well, that's part of the challenge is industry, biofilm is not a household word. And the concept that there is a, a, uh, and a, a community of microbes that can form a, a they can self-produce an ooze, a, a protective coating, and then wreak all kinds of havoc, whereas you just might think, well, I have rust because there's moisture on my, on my metal, when in reality, a lot of that is biocorrosion, and it's not just rust, it's, it's microbes eating away at the metal. Absolutely. What used, and that's a very good example. What used to be thought of as just rust, uh, water oxidizing uh, the surface of a pipeline, really many, many times is uh, the circumstances are such that microbes are involved and they mediate uh, the process and make it worse. So if you can control the biofilm, uh, you can control the effects of the biofilm, for example, reducing the potential for rust and deterioration of metal surfaces. Well, and we have a lot of research going on currently in other sectors. Uh, healthcare is a big one. There's a lot of uh, biofilm-related problems in, in hospitals and urinary catheters and implants. We've got Ross Carlson uh, in one building over who's affiliated with the CBE who is working with Nature's Find to develop a bi biofilm using a a unique microbe that's only found in Yellowstone National Park to potentially feed astronauts on their way to and while at Mars and on their way home. And to feed other people too. It's a, this particular fungi is a, um, uh, an alternative protein source. Yeah. And if it can be cultured and grown in large enough quantities, the, the, the hope is, and it's hopes being realized, I think, uh, a new food product will be the outcome. 
For sure. These were things that were never envisioned in 1990. Let me be, you know, go back just one second and say, back then, uh, the problems in industry were focused mainly around industries with pipelines mm-hmm. or something similar, heat right. exchangers. Right. And uh, and now the and they those uh, interests formed are the basis of our industrial associates group. Well, over the uh, over the thirty year period, uh, the composition of our industrial associates group has changed significantly. Mm-hmm. Back then, there was nothing to do with medicine or, or, or dental or certainly food products, mm-hmm. and now there is. So the the composition of our industrial uh, interest group has changed dramatically, but mm-hmm. the focus has not. They're still right. <laughs> coming to us to help them understand, make better decisions uh, relative to their biofilm-related problems. And in the case of Nature's Fine, that's an opportunity. For sure. So here we are. And, and you know, right. we've got Dr. Matthew Fields and Dr. Robin Gerlach looking into um, alternative fuel sources using a- a- algae and I believe there are other components, mm-hmm. biofilm adjacent, uh, that that play along, that play into that hand. Um, would you dare to take a guess, an educated, an informed guess, <laughs> what sectors we might be looking at over the next decade that we're not into yet? Um, honestly, Skip, I, I I don't have a vision of that, but I never did either. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What, what happens uh, historically is that the, uh, uh, the, the new sectors, new, new to us, the new opportunities for interaction, those people tend to find us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I, I, I wish we were maybe more clairvoyant about saying to someone, hey, you've got a biofilm problem, you should come see us, come uh, work with us. Uh, when that happens, of course we do, but... Many times we're surprised. I mean, it's something like this nature's fine uh, thing that <laughs> right, right. just wasn't on anybody's drawing board. Well, the the, the makeup of, of sectors that we uh, do some research in has constantly evolved since day one. And uh, I'm wondering, I guess the only thing that's certain is it will definitely be different than it is right now. And if you think about it, our areas of research is very much driven by industry, which keeps us, it helps us realize, oh, yeah, there is a biocorrosion issue out there. Oh, there is a, uh, there are biofilms growing on the interna- International Space Station that could prevent man from setting foot on Mars. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, if true. we didn't have all these associations, we, the world wouldn't know about these Absolutely. things. Yes, so one of our challenges is and always has been uh, getting the word out, uh, uh, letting people know what the Biofilm Center is and what it does, and uh, educating people at all levels uh, of society. We do outreach, of course, as best we can. Uh, We're a fairly small group, and... and, uh, uh, the opportunities there aren't as uh, as great as maybe we wish they were. Uh, I think uh, internet-based uh, social media applications are going to help us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, it's a matter of educating uh, awareness 
the awareness level of, of uh, uh, not just industry, but society in general. Right. And out right. of that comes these uh, surprises that uh, often, hopefully, lead to success. Al, this has just been terrific. I've, I've really learned a lot. I greatly appreciate you uh, sharing your time and your unique perspective thanks to your participation in the organization since day one. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Biofilm First is a production of the Center for Biofilm Engineering at Montana State University. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.